Welcome again to another edition of the Twins Wrap with the television play-by-play voice, Dick Bramer. Derek Hansen with you. And I guess, Dick, I hate to start off negative, but really it's the eighth topic, I think, for Twins fans is the all-star snubs. Uh, you know, Eddie Rosario, Max Kepler, a lot of people feeling they should get in. But it is good news that Jake Odorizzi and Jorge Polanco are going to be at least, uh, certainly with Polanco being a starter, that is the good news. Yeah, uh, I think Twins fans everywhere have every right to be disappointed. I know I'm disappointed. I've always um, looked forward to the All-Star game. I'm a fan of the game. I've gone to a number of them when possible. And I've always looked at the All-Star game uh, with two different lenses. One, it should be the best players in the game. But given that every team needs to be represented, and I do, I am an advocate of that as well, uh, I look forward to the best teams being well represented. And in this case, Major League Baseball blew it. The Twins have been one of the best teams. I thought minimum four players for them this year. There's a chance another player might or two might be added. But I really think that uh, baseball shortchanged uh, Twins territory. This has been a great team. It's a team that hopefully will be playing in October. And uh, if I'm a baseball fan in Tennessee and I've heard about the Twins and I've heard about uh, Eddie Rosario for a few years and I want to see him in the All-Star game and see what he's like, uh, I'm going to be disappointed too. I just thought it was really a a very poor uh, oversight by Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's interesting because I've always – we had a time there where Cal Ripken Jr., was, wasn't maybe as good as some shortstops out there in the American League, but as far as all-stars, I mean, he was one of the biggest stars in baseball. So there's that balance of it too, isn't there? Yeah, and the one I pointed out on the air right after we found out that, uh, I guess it was in the middle of our rain delay in Chicago, that the Twins had just two players and the Astros had six. Well, then you look at the six players that Houston had picked and Garrett Cole is a tremendous pitcher and he's an all-star caliber pitcher. But you put his numbers up against Jose Barrios, and Barrios has been better in every category except strikeouts. And so, you know, if you wanted to balance things out a little bit uh, and make uh, the optics of all this look a whole lot better, at least in the upper Midwest, uh, Barrios probably should have been the pick instead of Garrett Cole. Let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, you know Eddie Rosario. Even if he was named the All Star Game, who knows if he could have played? And hey, I'm kind of transitioning into the talk of yeah, that little injury bug thing. It, it keeps popping up with different players at times. Hopefully, by the time we get done with the All Star break, all these things will go away and they can get this out of their system. Well, that or uh, as the injuries come up, as they almost inevitably will, that they're of a short term nature. You know, the, you know the Twins have had wrists, uh, you know, ankles, things like that, but they have all been of short, uh, in a short term, uh, scenario in terms of uh, getting the players back quickly. They haven't had an oblique that's going to put somebody out for six weeks. Tim Anderson of the White Sox, uh, suffered a high ankle sprain about the time Eddie Rosario suffered his ankle sprain. Anderson's going to be out four to six weeks. And we hope that's not the case with Rosario. So, yeah, injuries are going to happen. We know that. And the Twins, frankly, have been pretty fortunate in the first half, not not having any lingering ones. I think their longest one was uh, Nelson Cruz uh, missing three weeks with his wrist. So if that's the case, then I think this Twins team will uh, continue to do well in the second half. As far as that's concerned, I think we're kind of seeing this a little bit uh, and hopefully on a more consistent basis. 
know, this team, when one guy was maybe slumping, like I think it was Max Kepler slumped on a road trip, but everyone else picked him up. And that's usually the good formula for success if you're going to be a, a good and division-leading team. Yeah, that's it's been fun to watch because when healthy, this is one of the, well, I'll go ahead and say it, this has been the deepest lineup the Twins have ever had. That explains all the home runs, all the runs scored, uh, and all that. And when they're all healthy, uh, this is a really, really productive lineup and something that can overcome the few games they've had this year where the pitching hasn't been so good. So we'll see how it all plays out in the second half. I'll be particularly interested to see uh, how the team plays, uh, not so much whether they win or lose because Oakland's playing awfully well, but how this team plays um, after the All-Star snub. I, I don't think this is a bunch that needs to have a fire lit under them, but uh, my goodness, if, uh, if that doesn't uh, um, refocus you a little bit as to uh, you know, how you, what statements you want to make in the game, uh, getting just two All-Stars picked uh, might just do that for this bunch. That is a good point because I look back to a couple of years ago when this team had a bad West Coast swing and the Twins went from you know buyers to sellers in a quick hurry, and that motivated this clubhouse. I joked with Thad Levine. I said, was it you or Derek that was the uh, the, the poster there taking the pieces of clothing off like in Major League? <laughs> but you know that really did inspire them. So stuff like that can really fire up a clubhouse. Well, this is a pretty close-knit group to begin with, and I think as you um... – uh, congratulate uh, Odorizzi for making the team and Polanco for making the team. They're going to look across the clubhouse, and there's going to be a lot of that when they uh, reconvene today. And uh, although they all knew the news Sunday before the game in Chicago, you know what? Uh, it's kind of a band of brothers type thing, and that guy should have made it, and that guy should have made it, and uh, we're going to show them. I, I Again, this bunch doesn't need that because they certainly played awfully well without that. But if there's a renewed focus at a time in the year when sometimes that can be a, a benefit to a team, well, they've got it now because I think they, to a man, all feel that they should have been much better represented in the All-Star game. The Twins wrap with the television voice of the Minnesota Twins, Dick Bramer, brought to you by Jefferson Lines. Dick, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we mentioned this last week. We're coming into the All-Star break. Right now, as we speak before tonight's game, the Twins are eight games ahead of Cleveland. You know, it's amazing to think about. If we would have said this, you know, back in March, it would have been, you know, we'd have been just goo goo gaga over it. But, you know, they've stumbled a little bit. It's funny how it's all really kind of uh, relative to what you've seen lately. Well, the Twins had a good June. I think the perception is they did not because they didn't play quite as well uh, as they did in May. And the lead has shrunk a little bit from, what, 11 and a half to, to eight games. But people need to understand how well the Cleveland Indians played. The Indians, I think, had the ended up June with the best record in the American League, and they were only able to pick up three and a half games. Uh, if the Twins had had a difficult month of June, you know, this race would be a whole lot tighter right now. The fact is, you know, it's got to be a little frustrating for Cleveland. They played their tails off, and they only picked up three and a half games over the course of the month. So we'll see how well Cleveland uh, goes. You know, the question all along has been, can this Twins team sustain its success? And now within that, I think we all uh, honestly need to look at the Cleveland Indians and see wonder if they can sustain their success and whether they can continue to play in July the way they did in June. 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did because that's the nature of a Terry Francona team. But uh, they've got a they've got a long road ahead of them with eight games as long as this Twins team continues to play good baseball. Yeah, who would have thunk the Baltimore Orioles would help out the Twins the way they did over the weekend, taking two or three with two dominating scores on Friday and Saturday. Well, the Indians went to uh, Baltimore, and you know the Twins. In six games, scored, what, 45 runs and hit 23 home runs, I believe, in the six games against Baltimore. The Indians went to Baltimore in a three-game series and scored two runs and were lucky to get out of there with the one win they got. So uh, there's some issues in Cleveland that just won't go away. All right, Dick, I'll call you right back. Part two of the Twins Wrap brought to you by Jefferson Lines on the way. Jefferson Lines, your number one bus experience for over 100 years, serving North Dakota and cities through the Midwest. Derek Hansen with you, along with the TV voice of the Minnesota Twins. We'll be back after the CBS News Roundup and also the uh, KFGO News Report from Jim Monk. Jack Sunday will be back to wrap things up here in the Drive Time News on the Mighty 790 KFGO. Couch Potato Radio, Derek Hansen with you here on the Mighty 790 KFGO. And also, it's the Twins Wrap, Part 2 with Dick Bramer, the television voice of the Minnesota Twins. Twins in action starting a three-game series against the Oakland A's. It's brought to you by Jefferson Lines, your number one bus experience for over 100 years serving North Dakota and cities throughout the Midwest. Let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, a guy that we touched on last week and the fact that Miguel Sano, and, and I think for a lot of us, and I w- I'll be honest with you, until I talked with you last Tuesday, I was thinking, man, maybe he needs to go on the bus in Rochester for a while, but you said... Power hitters like that, they just got to start seeing the ball more and swing through it. And he's still going to have a strikeouts, but he showed over this past weekend why he's in that lineup every day. Yeah, I really hope for Miguel that he can have a series like he had in Chicago or a series like he had in Kansas City on the last road trip. If he can have one of those at home, I, I think he really would, would get um, – it would be a big step forward for him in terms of his confidence. You know, the damage that he's done has been done almost all on the road. And, you know, if if he's someone who, you know, wants to do really, really well in front of the home crowd, he's not the first player who, who would want to do that, whether he puts more pressure on himself when he's home. Uh, he wouldn't be the first player to do that either. But if he could just relax and, and, and put the swings on the ball that he did in Chicago and in Kansas City before that, well, then I think uh, he would relax be a, a much more confident player, uh, and then the, the Twins would be able to you know, have him be a, a big contributor. As it is right now, I expect he'll probably have a good series here in Oakland, and then we'll hope for a, a nice uh, series when we get back home as well. Yeah, Oakland you know, usually is a pretty good spot for hitters to figure that out. And a guy you and I talk about quite a bit, uh, Byron Buxton, coming back now healthy. I, I, I'm looking for him to really crank it up now here in the West Coast. What, what do you think about that? Well, he's you know he had to miss some time when he got hit by the pitch, and um, you know Byron probably isn't one of those players that can miss time, step back in, and be productive. And it seemed like it took him. You know, a couple games to get his swing, but then he got the double in Chicago on Sunday, and he just looks like he's ready to go. And and he, you know, as you look at potential playoff teams, and let's put the Twins in there for right now, and then you put them in a group with the Yankees and the Astros and whoever else might come out of the wild card, maybe even Cleveland. You know, there are a lot of great lineups out there, but what Byron can bring to the lineup is a difference maker. If he can continue to play well in the second half 
and stay healthy. You got to remember he missed most of that wild card game a couple of years ago with a concussion. Uh, he can be a difference maker in a game or a series come October. Let's focus on pitching. We mentioned that Jake Odorizzi is going to be on the all-star team, so we know he's done the first half, and Jose Brios is pretty steady. But, you know, you look at Kyle Gibson, who uh, misses, more or less kind of misses the start. I guess they're just backing him up after being in that 18-inning game. And But I tell you, they're pretty solid. If Michael Pineda is going to pitch like that, that really has to make you feel good, and maybe you don't worry about going out and getting a starter like so many people have been saying. Yeah, there's there'll be some activity. There'll be much more discussion than activity. But Twins fans need to think uh, of this regarding additions to the rotation. If you add, let's go to the top of the list and go with Madison Bumgarner. If you were to add a, a Madison Bumgarner, he's in your rotation. Who currently in the rotation would be able to be moved to the bullpen and be an asset? And for one reason or another, I don't know that the candidates are, are, are very, I don't know that there's one really. Would you want to put Pineda in the bullpen? I, I don't know that that would be fair to him. He's recovering from Tommy John surgery. Uh, Martin Perez was in the bullpen at the start of the year and didn't really look nearly as good as a reliever um, as he has done uh, as a starter. So I don't know that he would be a candidate to be moved to the bullpen and pitch effectively there. So uh, those are all the things that you know Derek Falvey and Thad Levine are looking at, and I still believe, and I think we've talked about this before, if there's a pitching move to be made, and I suspect there will be, it'll be come out of the bullpen. Uh, whether it's a closer, a seventh, or eighth inning guy, I don't know. But uh, that, to me, is where the need is. Uh, maybe made even greater with the fact that there isn't a starter who could be moved to the bullpen and suddenly become a, a reliable seventh, eighth, or ninth inning guy. Uh, let's talk a little bit with Odorizzi going tonight, too, which is always a good thing. You mentioned the fact that the Oakland A's are they're a good pesky team, 46 and 39 on this uh, year. Yeah, this is not going to be an easy series whatsoever. They're quietly a pretty good team. They're uh, right now playing uh, better than anybody else in the Ameri in the American League. Uh, they've had kind of a double whammy. Their best starter's been suspended for PED use. Blake Trinan, their closer, may come back in this series. He's had some shoulder discomfort, uh, and yet they just keep on playing. I mean, uh, everything we said about Terry Francona and the Indians, you can say about Bob Melvin and the A's. They find a way to get better usually in the second half of the year. And so, you know, Bud Grant was uh, the most famous coach who said it. It's not who you play, but when you play them. And this right now is not a real good time to be playing the Oakland A's because they're at the top of their game. No, that's very true. What you know, we we've talked before about Tampa Bay and this Montreal thing going back and forth, and Oakland has been in flux with that ballpark for a long time. But they're finally figuring out that a little bit, aren't they? I mean, it's been such a tough thing for what has been a historically good organization as far as success over the you know certainly throughout my lifetime. But it'll be nice to finally get that all tied up. Yeah, I think the sense in baseball is that the A's are closer to to a new ballpark than the Rays are. They both uh, have, you know, uh, very strong needs to get into a new facility. The, the place here is terrible. Um, you, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't up to major league standards 20 years ago and major league standards have, you know, increased obviously with the addition, of all these new ballparks. So uh, the hope is I think for everybody in baseball that somehow they can find a solution here and in the uh, Tampa St. Pete area 
But I think there's a little more optimism that eventually they'll get something done here. Now, all that said, you know, they've, you know, as we all know, in the upper Midwest, you can have all the stadium designs and, and finance plans you want, but until you get something actually approved, um, you know, secured and, and put in concrete, uh, literally in concrete, uh, then you really don't have anything. So we'll be curious what happens here in the next couple of years. Uh, I, I don't think anybody's holding out much hope anymore that Tampa St. Pete can hang on to the team. So relocation seems pretty likely there, I would think. Uh, final thing for you. I hate for it to be so negative, but you know everyone seems to know each other in Major League Baseball. So I'm sh- sure the sad news of a uh, of the Angels pitcher uh, Tyler Skaggs dying at 27. I think we look at this, and I'm a stepfather of someone in their 20s too. It just uh, I just can't imagine. I think it hits on just a personal, professional level, and certainly is shaking Major League Baseball. Yeah, and the Angels have had to deal with it uh, far too often. Uh, those of us old enough to remember. Uh, you know, uh, Lyman Bostock 41 years ago in the prime of his playing career, Nick Aidenhart 10 years ago. And now this, um, you know, when, when someone that young passes, it's always tragic, but you know, we, we have this image, I think of professional athletes, um, you know, being, you know, in, in peak health and being, uh, you know, uh, the, model for what we all physically would like to be a well-trained athlete and all that. And, and when you have an in uniform player suddenly pass like this, it happened years ago with, you know, Daryl Kyle of the, of the Cardinals. Um, it, it really shakes everybody because it is, as you said, a community a family, uh, CJ Crone of the twins was a teammate of Tyler Skaggs for a number of years with the, uh, with the angels. And it really does shake people. Uh, those of us who, follow the game who are you know twice that age or more i mean it's still it, it still gives us the shakes because it's it's a, a terrible thing when it happens uh the angels uh, find themselves in a you know grieving a frame of mind again with uh, the loss of somebody who was in his physical prime and uh it's going to be you know a somber mood in the twins clubhouse today and uh it's just it's really really sad because you know we it is a community. I got to know Tyler Skaggs just a little bit. I had a brief conversation with him. I won't pretend that I got to know him, but when we were at Target Field, when the Angels came, they had the Vikings take some batting practice uh, before an Angels game. And Tyler Skaggs just happens to be a great Viking fan. So he had pitched, I think, the night before, and he was out you know, uh, with his eyes wide open watching you know, Cousins and some of the other uh, you know, Vikings uh, take a batting practice. And uh, uh, so I talked to him and asked him why he was a Viking fan. And it was just a big deal for him. You could see in his eyes, the adulation that, that fans who come to watch uh, came to watch him pitch uh, must've had. So yeah, it's a really, really sad time in, uh, for baseball. Yeah. Just a shocking 27 years old. Oh, just my heart breaks for him and his family and a young wife too, recently uh, a newlywed too. It just, it's so just tragic, that is for sure. Well, Dick, uh, late night tonight, I will say, I don't like these West Coast games, but many times I'll be uh, laying in bed and falling asleep to you talking to me. So, <laughs> but hopefully I can stay up for it. <laughs> if, if there's a compliment in there somewhere, I'll take it. <laughs> but it is a lot of fun. Who are you working with this week? 
I got Bert out here on the West Coast oh, nice. again, and uh, frankly, I don't know uh, who it is when we get back home. So yeah, well, uh, Bert's always a lot of fun. You're enjoying this kind of potpourri because I, I, I kind of do. I've we all love Bert, but it's been fun to hear some analysis from other folks too. Yeah, it's been different, you know, because it wasn't that long ago. Bert and I did all the games, but uh, uh, now uh, you know we're kind of rotating the uh, play, uh, former players through the analyst chair. And, uh, you know, I can adapt to just about anything, but all that really matters is whether the viewers like it. And I think the positive feedback has far outweighed the negative feedback. So uh, we might see this type of rotation, uh, you know, for a while. Um, it's, uh, as I've told people, when I was a bachelor, I didn't date around much, but it must have been something like this because I'm with somebody different every week. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Dick, thanks so much for your time. We'll talk to you again next week. And uh, I guess full disclosure here, we'll probably talk to you Sunday on Couch Potato Radio and get you ready for the All-Star Game Tuesday for our big uh, Twins wrap. That sounds good. Dick Bramer and the Twins wrap. Again, brought to you by Jefferson Lines, your number one bus experience for over 100 years serving North Dakota and cities through the Midwest. Couch Potato Radio, Derek Hansen with you, with uh, just wrapping up part two with Dick Bramer. Your phone calls at 237 5948 1 800 880 5346. You can always text us 35270. We'll talk more twins if you like. We'll get to a few other things. We're here until 8 o'clock, and then Bob Harrison, Nighttime Live, takes over right here on the Mighty 790 KFGO.